Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter. And you know what? It's time to go back to the New Testament here. Yeah, I know. I, I tell people, you know, the Old Testament, if you're going to read through the whole Bible, you got to read a lot of Old Testament. It's like three quarters of the Bible. Uh, but I'm really happy today. We're picking up Second John. So, you know, back a few months ago, it was before we did Daniel and Ezra. Uh, we, we were looking at First John, and that had five chapters to it. But here, uh, today and tomorrow, well, next time anyway, next week, we're going to be looking at uh, Third John. They don't even have chapters. They're just <laughs> short little books. So if you ever see, like, you know, uh, First John, you know, 13 or something like that, or, you know, like uh, Third John, you know, 15, it's just because that's the, ver- <laughs> that's the verse, these short little letters. Uh, but they have a lot to chew on. Uh, we're, we're dealing again with the, the theme of of love, but you know what does it really mean to to love in the Christian sense? And it seems like there's a strong contrast again going on in these letters of John. You know, who who are these others? These deceivers? Uh, these who who look like maybe they're Christians, but they really they really aren't. So uh, it's a, it's an important theme. It actually uh, dovetails nicely on what we talked about yesterday in Isaiah chapter 66, those who are not really among uh, God's chosen. And in the first very verse, first verse we have here, to the elect lady, the chosen lady. So who is she? Good stuff for us today. We've got returning Pastor Scott Adel joining us today, pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. Good morning, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? Doing well. You know, I, uh, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, having a good morning. And then, um, I, well, I was just listening to the little bit that, uh, that Kip was giving us before, before we started the, the hour together. And just, uh, I don't, I don't know something about like the, the witch of the boiling aisles. So I guess a little wide eyed this morning, like what's going on, <laughs> but, it is an interesting, uh, switch. So you just got out of <laughs> Isaiah 66 yesterday, straight to second John, which, I don't know if that's the usual manner, but <laughs> we'll go with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, it's true. We, we, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, actually, it had been my intention to do second and third John um, earlier, cl- kind of closer to doing first John, but uh, but but things we we ended up just kind of missing things. The schedule, you know, schedules, right? The plan yeah. plans are plans are made to be replanned yeah. <laughs> so uh, but but there is that connection though right in isaiah chapter 65 and 66 there's a strong connection between those people in judah who outwardly looked like you know they they, they paid lip service right to the true god but yep. god sees their hearts they see he sees what they're really up to and and that seems to be kind of similar to what's going on here in second john it is and well i mean it it is a theme because he'll talk about truth and deception, and that theme actually runs from Genesis to Revelation, and you're going to find right. it here, and you're going to find it certainly in the Gospels, and like you say, it it pops up in Isaiah's time, and it's not just that these are peculiar times that they happen to pop up, but this pops up because this is just a major way, the major way that the devil works and has worked right. from the beginning and will work till the end. That's right. We were just, in fact, we were just talking about that with Isaiah 65 and 66, you know, that you read this and it's important to 
to take it in that like, you know, these, these divisions were going on. Um, I mean, all the time. I mean, you know, there in, in 65 and 66 is talking about uh, the, your brothers who hate you, right? Who mm-hmm. um, have betrayed you. I mean, like th- this is this is the theme of the letters of John, that in every age of God's people, there are those who break away from God's people, who who make divisions, who stop supporting each other. I mean, this this is what goes on in every single age of the church, just as you said, because... This is how this is how Satan works. This is how the sinful heart works. It, it always wants to take its ball and go play elsewhere. In, in a way, and yet there's always this and yet, and yet they they won't leave us completely alone. So mm-hmm. I mean, they they always do want to cover themselves with pious words or yeah. pious looking actions, and this is why I mean, as we get into this letter, this is one of the things that he has to warn them about. He, he says. Don't be deceived, because they will want to come in, and they will want to say things to you, and in doing so, they will want to lead you astray. So you're right. They they do want to do things their own way, but they want to bring as many with them as possible, because, I mean, they they want to declare that their way is actually the correct way. And right. why, yeah. why why both John... I mean, St. Paul will say the same thing when he says, do not be deceived, right? This just has, uh, just puts forward the, the, the truth that there will be people out there trying to deceive. Some knowingly, some unknowingly, but they will be out there. Right. Well, and that gets that gets to a really good point about like what kind of deception are, are we talking about? I mean, and because it's not really super explicit um, in in Second John, but I, I think that there's um, there's there's a few things in particular that really um, come to the fore when we when we look at it closely. But Correct. let's get to looking at it closely here. We got we got 13 verses, and that's the whole letter. So um, we get to go a little bit in depth today. It's like uh-huh. it's like sharper iron or something. <laughs> we, we almost we almost never get such a short little bit to look at. <laughs> All right. Well, as we begin, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening? Yeah, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here this day to read your word, and as we do so, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and give us a mind to understand so that when we see and hear it, we would understand what you would have us to believe, uh, namely here in Second John, uh, that your Son came in the flesh to be our Savior, and that this causes us to believe and know the truth as well as act in that truth in love towards others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and read the introduction here, because um, it's it's interesting, these these introductions. This, I mean, it really reads like it's an actual just letter. It, it's not like a, a sermon. It is just a, a friendly letter. But the, the in, introduction has this really interesting language that, you know, I doubt that many people have used in their own letters, not that probably people are writing lots of letters necessarily but (laughs) you know when you wrote your christmas card you probably didn't start it this way yeah correct (laughs) so let's go ahead and look at just these first three verses here the elder to the elect lady and her children whom i love in truth and not only i but also all who know the truth because the truth that abides in us will be with us forever Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us 
from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. So, yeah, a little bit different from the way that we usually start off letters, different from the way that Paul usually started his own letters. I mean, it's a, it's a little yeah. bit, um, it seems like, specific to the way that John would write, but in particularly, he seems to refer to himself as the elder. And then um, the part that maybe might seem a little bit more mysterious to us is he refers to this uh, elect lady and her children. So uh, yeah. why why this way of opening the letter and referring to the, the parties involved here? It's a good question. Obviously, it's, it's only speculation. But I why he would refer to himself as the elder, I mean, it's church tradition that John lived a rather long time. And so right. at some point, he's older than most people. Uh, but also, elder becomes a, a term that, that is used for leaders of the church. And so right. at the time, John is probably both. He is a leader of a church. He's also, just quite frankly, older. And so this is, might just be the way that he is referred to, especially if he's one of the last or maybe even the last living uh, apostle that he's just known as, as the old guy who, who old, yeah i know jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right yeah I, I i do like that explanation i mean i think that well you know you're you're right like it, it it's a it's a dual reference here and the thing is it it usually in in these in these times um wasn't really even necessarily felt as like a dual sense because typically the leaders were the people who were the yeah. old people i mean that's how you did things right the yeah. young people's job was to you know be quiet and listen right and then carry heavy things uh, <laughs> you know so so uh yeah i i do think it makes sense you know if this is a, a later letter too then yeah john would have just been he kind of in whichever room he was in he would have always been the the elder right so it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. um well he's but then, one but, that everyone would look up to Yes, even yes. if he's younger. Like you said, one of the things we don't know about this letter is when it was yeah. written. But we do know that throughout John's life, as well as some of the other apostles, he was in and out of prison. We know that he was exiled to an island, the island of Patmos, at one time. And so we know he was under watch, at least at certain points in his life. And this is probably the reason why it's not, as you said, it's not as specific as we would address a letter. But it is clear throughout the letter that John knows who he's talking to, and he assumes that they will know who it is from and who the elder is and why any of this is coming to them. They are in the know, but John maybe doesn't put specifics down because it could be a time when he, specifically because he's a Christian leader, is not in favor with the ruling authorities, and anything he writes is probably going to be looked at or something along these lines. And he doesn't want to put them in danger unnecessarily, but he does want to write them in, in a way that they would understand. And so he, he calls himself the elder, he calls them, and it, it's probably the case that the elected lady is a church and not a specific singular woman, because mm-hmm. he, he will use the plural form later on. And it right. just happens to be that, you know, that the church is often referred to as a lady or specifically as the bride of Christ throughout the rest of the scriptures. And so this may be a, this may be a way that John is writing to a church who knows him and whom he knows and will welcome his letter, but he he doesn't want to put the address down just in case the authorities are going to do some double checking. 
Yeah, and that's interesting. I hadn't considered that, that maybe he's being a little bit um, cryptic, like uh, as a security precaution. I mean, that may well be, or it, or, you know, sometimes, you know, it might just be a, a signal of like the, the affection, you know, that sometimes it's, you know, it's like when people use inside jokes, right? They, they, yeah. they use language that only they and the other person are going to understand. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when two people are talking that way, it's like, uh, I mean, it's affectionate because they, they're, yeah. they're kind of celebrating the fact that they know each other so well and that they, they can kind of use these idiosyncratic in particular ways of talking, but they, but they do know what they're talking about. Um, and and so, and so you're what I I agree that the, the term here elect lady. Yeah. It it seems to be a way of referring to this Christian congregation. And, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it it is, I think an an affectionate way of referring to a Christian congregation. I mean, like, uh, lest we forget, you know, that term lady, um, I don't know, an English lady is almost like, it can be like pejorative almost, you know, someone's like, Hey lady. I mean, like, you know, it's not necessarily uh, flattering, uh-huh. but we, we got to remember that traditionally anyway, lady is basically the feminine form of Lord. Um, yeah. And in fact, like, like Lords and ladies, right. Um, and in fact, in Greek, right. That the term is actually Kyria, um, it, like instead of like, say, uh, you know, uh, Kyrios or something like that. So, I mean, th- this is the, the term that corresponds to the word that they used for God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it is a it's a very high term in a in a Christian sense to be mm-hmm. addressing someone as you know, Kiria uh, uh, this way, as well, as well as elect. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is how he refers to it, as chosen, the chosen lady of the Lord. Absolutely. Well, that's interesting too. You know, the translations are pretty, um, like I think in agreement on like the elect lady, but I did, I didn't notice that the word the isn't actually oh. there. And, and the only reason I bring that up is because I, I feel like it kind of actually makes more sense to say like, you know, to, to you, Oh, chosen lady or like, or, or to a chosen lady in the sense that he's referring to this one, um, congregation, right? Like, because at the end um, of the letter, we're going to see this, um, he says here in verse 13, um, the children of your elect sister greet you. So th- then that's actually, we'll, we'll get to that at the end. But I think the idea is it's like every congregation is sort of like um, an elect, like noble woman, an elect mm-hmm. lady in this sense of, uh, you know, like they're, they're all um, belonging to this to this standing this this high standing and this affection that that John has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, similar maybe to the the five brides five faithful bridesmaids who wait for the groom or something. Yeah, like that. right, right, exactly, right. One of the, one of the ones who does go in right into right. the wedding feast, definitely. Yeah. So, so, so I, I'm glad you you mentioned made that allusion because I feel like then implicitly it seems like already this is like okay he's just saying nice things saying hello right but I wonder if he's already actually setting up contrast here because okay you uh, you elect lady you chosen lady right it's already kind of perhaps setting up the idea that like are there others who are not chosen right um, and he goes on right to say like whom I love and truth and in in the greek the i there is actually a little a little bit prominent um so and, and then he goes on right because then he switches into that that we language right um 
but also all who know the truth, you know, perhaps as opposed to the people who don't know the truth, right? And then because of the truth uh, that abides in us and will be with us forever. So I, I, I wonder what, and I want to just get your thought, is he, is he already kind of suggesting that like, you know, you're chosen because you, you know the truth and I love you and we know the truth and the truth will abide with us and we know Jesus and truth and love. We do, you do, I do, but there's these others, right? Like already implicitly hasn't even said it yet, but he's already kind of setting it up that there's a distinction to be made. Yeah, I mean, and you said, I mean, the the word truth comes out prominently, uses it three times in in the these these first two lines. Yeah, there is going to be a distinction between truth and deception, uh, and he is tipping his hand here. I think you're right. Yeah, and, and in fact, even like in verse three, um, like the the with us is actually the the emphatic part here. Um, it says like, and will be with us grace and mercy and peace from God our Father and, and all the rest. And so um yeah, yeah, I know it's it's in it's it's easy to skip over that, but um already John's saying like you know it's this relational language, it's this specific language that it doesn't necessarily just apply to everybody that's that's important here. And so that that should be um kind of like catching our eye as we go forward in the letter saying, okay, um this, this is something to be looking out for them when we're reading the rest of the letter. Yeah, um, it's, speaking, it's, also something that the, it's also something that John has stressed throughout all of his works, whether it be the Gospel of or his first letter or, or Revelation as well. He, he hits around truth quite often. Quite often. Yeah. I mean, it, it's in his Gospel that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in, in chapter 14, he, it, which overlaps quite a bit with Second John, uh, he, he lays it out this way as well, that truth is just a, a theme with John and that, that he, he uses in all of his works. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, and, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. You know, truth is like, it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of like inherently a divisive word maybe <laughs> because right like to, to even be talking about like well you know i know the truth right it is exclusive uh, it, it, yes yeah 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 that's right it's exclusive yeah because because like just by saying that you're already just automatically implying that well something else is not the truth um yep. you know there's a there's a the truth about the situation so yeah yeah def- definitely like john has this this uh yeah th- th- this perspective like throughout that we see well Speaking of the truth, he picks it up in verse 4 and continues on. Um, let's just read, um, not not the whole middle section here. There's there's a lot um, to, to chew on, but maybe just through verse 6, just uh, three more verses here. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning— that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. So this seems like very familiar, and I mean, in some ways, almost identical at some points to what we saw in First John, right? Yep. No, absolutely. And uh, I mean, you also see, too, here that there, 
there is a familiarity there. Obviously, the letter is very short, and you'd almost think, well, what's the point of writing it? And uh-huh. even John himself will say, hey, I, I would rather speak to you face-to-face. Yeah. But th- this is simply a letter of encouragement and warning. It's just brief, but obviously he felt it needed to be written. That, uh, and, and, and one of the things is, hey, I've seen some of your children, right, some of the members of this church walking in truth, whether or not, I, I mean, I doubt it's kind of the thing that he was walking around town and saw them and they didn't see him, but he saw them doing good works or something and was like, well, that's nice. I mean, it could yeah. be that. Or it could be maybe like uh, Paul writes to different churches. Once they they have sent him uh, messengers or once they've sent him some of their members to encourage him while he's in prison or something along these lines, that uh, he rejoices that some of the, some of the members of this church came and visited him. And uh, this is one of the things that they were commanded from the Father, that they would that they would visit those in prison, that they would visit those in times of need. And John says, hey, uh, I give you thanks, and I encourage you, and I'm rejoicing that some of your church actually did this. It it strengthened me. It encouraged me. And now uh, I'm writing back to you. And he's like, not not that I haven't taught you these things. I'm not writing you anything new. But I'm just encouraging you to keep doing that. Love one another. And this is one of the things that, that comes up in John's, especially his epistles over and over again, is his encouragement to love. Love one another. Yeah. I saw some of you guys doing it. it. It it made me rejoice. This is just an encouragement. Keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I, I'm really, I really am on the same wavelength. I think that, and it's something that we easily overlook or think it's, oh, like that's that's not really that big a deal. But like, you know, calling out, you know, people for their, their good deeds, right? Like, and actually like celebrating them and, and acknowledging them and encouraging them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's so easy to get discouraged. And we all know the feeling of like trying to do something good, um, only to feel like nobody notices or like it's not making any difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so how important is it that, that we praise each other? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's something I, I've been thinking about a lot, you know, that, how are we supposed to be any good at at praising God when we spend our lives not really praising anything, right? When yeah. we spend our lives just practicing criticism, and all we seem to do is complain or criticize, well, how do we expect to, to be any good granted. at praising yeah. God, right? Yeah, yeah. Either either like you say, in a critical mode, or anything that happens is just taken for granted. Well, of course that should have happened. Of course you should have done that. Yeah, right. No, this is true, and I, I think too. I mean, he's he's playing with the language here. He called her an elect lady with her children. This is just something that parents love to hear from other people. Is that hey, I saw your kid, and he's a great kid. He did thus and such. It makes you proud as a parent. Yeah, like, maybe I've done something right. Uh, when other people notice your children, and, he, and he's talking about here about her children. They were doing something well, and I, he's just remi- he's he's saying, "Hey, I'm just reminding you this. This is this is great to see your members, your children doing things that they should be doing. This is great." Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Like because the praise by by using the language of children it is praise for just as it is in you know like everyday life. When you praise the child, you're praising both the child and their parents, right? <laughs> like yeah. like hey, you guys did a good job. You're doing a good job teaching. You guys are. Are, are speaking the word of truth, speaking the word of love, and, and then the people who go out from you, I mean, 
they're they're practicing what you have been preaching, you know. So I mean, it really is a a compliment and encouragement on on both of those levels. Um, and and it's it really is something that like he's he's taking the time to to do this moment of encouragement before he even comes to the warning. And we want to get to the warning, but we have to yeah. first go into a short break. Everybody, hang with us. We're looking at Second John here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Are you the type of person who loves their community and wants it to be the best it can be? Now it's easier than ever to do your part. Go to RecycleMo.com to see just how easy it is to recycle the right way. Or if you already recycle and want to be as efficient as possible, RecycleMo.com can tell you what should and should not be recycled in your area. Become part of the clean recycling movement today. It's the right thing to do. Sponsored by the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. We live in Accra, Ghana, West Africa. We listen to KFUO through the internet. It's nice to listen to a church service going on here in the U.S., the music and the talk shows. It's been very uplifting, really encouraging. So thank you. Bringing the word of Christ to listeners around the world. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Second John today, this short little letter that we're looking at. We just read the first uh, six verses here. Today we're joined by Pastor Scott Adel, returning guest pastor from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. And, you know, th- this... I mean, we, we've found that it's really something, it's easy to overlook some of this language, but, you know, he's talking about the truth. He's talking about a way that not everyone belongs to, a way that uh, gets lost in all the falsehoods of, of this world. And he's calling out somebody for the good they did, and he's uh, giving a moment for encouragement, you know, things that are uh, things that we need, honestly need to be looking to as an example and, and, and doing more of, um, you know, celebrating the, the grace mm-hmm. that God is working uh, among our, ourselves. So, um, you know, if you've if got, I, I actually, I'm going to share a little anecdote, but before I do, um, if you have any questions on Second John here, it's only one, one day for the whole letter here. Uh, any questions for us or comments, call 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850, or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, as always, thank you to our underwriters, Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out 
at lhfmissions.org. So I was just thinking, uh, I was really happy that you brought up this idea of, you know, encouraging each other and and praising, right, both like the children um, and and the parent, right, using the metaphor that John's using, because it reminds me of actually something that just happened to me the other day. Um, I was on the campus of uh, the University of California, Irvine, and uh, I was I was just there, like, um, actually just just sitting down and, and getting some writing done. Um, and I was approached by a couple of, uh, young guys, um, who were, who were clearly like undergrads there, uh, Renzo and Adrian. And it was just, it's really interesting when this happens to a pastor, right? Um, uh, and and they, they were, they were, they're being very friendly and and taking a real like interest in, in, in me and, you know, like, and the hope, like, you know, wishing that everything that I was doing was going well. And, and they asked, uh, invited me to their Bible study that they were having just like on the other side of the area that I was at just, you know, these, these undergrads, these young guys just, you know, walking around and inviting people earlier. I had seen them praying with each other. Um, and then of course, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a happy moment when I can say like, well, actually like I'm a, I'm a pastor and like, I think it's, and I proceed to say like, I think it's great that you guys are doing this. Like, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're 21 and 22 years old, but you know, you're, you're being bold and, you're inviting yeah. people to, to Bible study and, you know, like college campuses these days, like, you know, not exactly the, the most open places to, <laughs> to religious invitation. Well, I'll put it that way, but you know, well, I was, I was just commending. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. But I was just commending them. Cause I'm like, you know, these guys, like, I don't know how many people are going to accept the invitation, but I don't want them to be discouraged. Like they yeah. should be encouraged and praised for the good that they're doing by God's grace. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's excellent. That, and that's, uh, but it is followed up here as we see in verse six, it's an encouragement and an encouragement to keep doing things in a specific way. Right. And, yeah. and, and this is love. Uh, Cause he said, you know, I, I ask you now that we love one another, like keep it up. And this is what I mean by keeping up. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments, right? And this is where, I mean, this is obviously point blank against our modern culture, but it's yeah. clearly something that's countercultural in John's day. Just, just as, as you said, those, those guys coming up and asking you about Bible study is a little bit countercultural out on, yeah. a, on a university campus, but right. a good thing. And John said, I saw some of your guys doing good, keep it up, and and this is how we know we're doing it. It, it, It's always stacked up or lined up against the plumb line of God's commandments. And this is is where the modern world really has a, a rub, because the modern world does use this language all the time. The modern world uses the language of truth, even if they have problems with it. They they do have a truth, and they're, they're... very angry if you go against it. They, the, the modern world also uses the word love all uh-huh. the time, all the time. Oh, definitely. All sorts of contexts, and, but almost exclusive of the second part that he says, walking according to his, that is God's commandments. That is not the, the definition that the world will use. And this is yeah, why no. John just lays it out so... So that's right. That, that, that's right. Yeah, that, that's well said. I mean, like, uh, that was something that, uh, def- and I think definitely as we go forward, we're going to just see more about this. Like, you know, what what does he mean by love? And that's exactly the question we were asking when we were looking 
uh, back at first, John, you know, like the one, when he's talking about love, you know, he's not talking about just kind of, I don't know, being nice people, right? Yeah. Like, oh, well, that's, that's not very loving, right? It's yeah. something that people say. I mean, I mean, I mean, people in churches say this, right? And, and yeah. what people often mean, unfortunately, is like, oh, that was kind of confrontational, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as if, as if you would never, as if, if you loved somebody, you would never confront them. Um, and, and that's maybe something that, you know, deserves a second thought. Um, or, you know, as if, you know, as, as if, uh, ma making, you know, statements about the truth, right. That might be exclusive. Oh, well, that's just not loving. Right. Cause the loving thing would just be to include everybody kind of re mm -hmm. regardless. Right. Like that's, that's maybe loving in the common everyday sense, but not in the Christian sense. As you said, it, it's by the commands of the Lord. And if you follow the commands of the Lord, you're going to stick out, or to use the word you were using, uh, you're going to be countercultural. You're going to yeah. end up doing things that, that stand out and go against the grain. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and the world's definition of love, as you said, is just incoherent. Because, yeah. as you said, it, it basically means feeling good all the time. And anything that's counter to that, if it's confrontation at all or exclusive yeah. at all, that's that's deemed by the world as not loving. Right. When If you would ask them specifically about people or events in their lives and about whether it is loving ever to be exclusive or to talk about not doing something or to confront someone, they right. would... I assume they would have to say, yes, that can be loving, too. But by and large, that's not what they mean. They, they just mean feeling happy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Be, being being. Well, the irony, right, is that like this brand of love is actually, um, I mean, in a, in a in a profound sense, like in the sense that C.S. Lewis talks about is really hateful because yes. it's apath it's apathetic. Right. Correct. Like if you're just kind of going to like smile at everybody. Right. And like just mm -hmm. say a po like polite thing, but you're never going to like stop them from like walking into like sure disaster and ruin. Right. If, if you're, you if you're never going to care about them that much. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then it's like, well, you don't really love them very much if you're never going to actually help them in the ways that they need it most. So, um yeah, no, no, that's right. So we we definitely are seeing just the the contrast, um, just more and more. And when we turn turn now to verse seven, um, the contrast gets gets even fuller. And he actually just outright calls the the people on the on the other side of this line here uh, deceivers. So mm -hmm. well, let's but go I'm, ahead and read as, as we're talking about the go oh, sure, commands. The commands definitely exclude certain types of behavior as well as yes. encourage other types of behavior. And yes. this is one of the things I think it's especially hard on college campuses and with the youth these days is that oh, yeah. the world just defines those loving behaviors differently than the Bible does. And th this is why John's message uh, obviously was relevant back then, but it's why it's just as relevant today. Because he says, hold on, guys, this is how we, as Christians, as those who are elect and members of the church, this is how we are going to define loving actions, is it has to be in line with God's will. And if it's not in line with God's will, I don't care what the world calls it, it's not loving, and it's not helpful, right. and it right. will actually hurt other people. 
And so, yeah, Roland, uh, yeah, if you want to read verse 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's read the next um, chunk here uh, before we—we'll we'll, we'll save the, the final uh, greetings uh, for the end here, but the next section here, beginning in verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Christ Jesus in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works." So th this is uh, this is I think really key to understanding this little letter here, and as as you were bringing up, you know, like so, hang on. So what's the purpose of this letter? It's so short. Why bother writing it? Well, you yeah. know, it's worth it to take a moment to to praise. It's like just a little note, a little letter. It's all that's always worth taking the time and trouble to do. But also there is a warning here, and um, you know, we know that a warning does not have to be a long diatribe to be effective and in fact sometimes the most effective warnings are very short um mm -hmm. and here's the warning do not receive him into your house like so we're specifically um i mean there's of course broader implications as we've kind of been discussing but we're kind of specifically warning against um providing lodging for false teachers so i mean what what's kind of what kind of scenario is this speaking to what kind of What's what kind of situation is this uh, warning situated in, where you would even be talking about this sort of thing? Yeah, well, as we said, the letter written to a church, and there is just this thing going on in the early church, which we have both from writings like this and from other areas in the New Testament specifically, but we also have outside of the Scriptures uh, different letters addressing this, where there would be... Uh, teachers, and they would call themselves different things. Some of them called themselves apostles, as, as Paul found out, you know, when he was dealing with Corinth, that, that go right. around from church to church and preach and teach at these various mm -hmm. places. Uh, the problem is uh, not all of them are on board with the actual Christian message. Uh, they I mean, false prophets don't advertise themselves on their business cards as false prophets. Right. They just advertise themselves as prophets. And this is just John warning the church, listen, before you allow someone in, and especially here, he's going to be talking about teaching and confessing before the church, you have to actually know what it is they're going to be talking about, because as Jesus himself warned us, there will be false prophets, and we need to be on guard. They will look like sheep, but there'll be wolves underneath. And so this is John just re-emphasizing this, that, hey, there are deceivers out in the world, those who don't confess the coming of, the Je uh, the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Don't allow those guys to preach from your pulpit. Don't allow those guys to teach your Bible class. Those guys are actually anti-Christ. They are against Christ. And don't give them, uh, don't give them room in your church to, to teach that way. Right. Yeah. No. I, I think that 
the idea of um, you know teaching obviously is pretty key. We're talking about you know deceivers and and are they teaching the right things? Um, you know, and don't you know you know goodness like let them let them like you know preach and teach in your church, right? But mm-hmm. it's interesting. Specifically, he's talking about you know don't let them like into your home, right? And and like interesting like what he says there, right? Um, whoever greets him takes part mm-hmm. in his wicked works. So, I mean, in some ways, it's like yeah, yeah. I think that it would it would entail you know don't let them you know uh, into your pulpit and teach your Bible study. But it, it seems like um, he's even going like a little bit I, I don't know more basic and like it, hey don't don't even be like you know, greeting these guys, right? Yeah. Associating with these guys. Right. And and so, and this is, I think then where, where we all kind of ask the question then, hang on. So what, like, does this mean like, you know, if you see these sorts of people like in the street, like you, you just turn your head, you go to the other side of the sidewalk. Like you don't, I mean, Uh I mean, you don't work with these people. So so like what, what, what's, what's going on. And I think this is where, um, like you were saying, like kind of turning to the other letters um, of the Bible, the other books of the Bible, um, kind of some uh, some of the other materials we have really is very enlightening because we, we understand from looking at the rest of Scripture and some of the other early Christian documents um, that a big thing going on was the practice of Christian hospitality. Um, I mean, in just in that region, in that time, hospitality was already like a, a big, a big deal, uh, like just a you know, just broadly speaking, but among Christians, it was, it was gigantic. Um, and we, we know that in the early church in Jerusalem, they were just, I mean, selling property and throwing everything all together into one big pot to like redistribute according to everyone's need. We know that even outside of Jerusalem, people were being extremely generous, like forget about tithing, giving 10%. This was just like people just giving everything for their Christian community and hosting people. And like they were having, uh, you know, church in their houses and they were providing, uh, you know, for like the, the celebrations of like the Lord's supper, like out of like their own, like, you know, refrigerators, like, so to speak, right. Didn't have refrigeration, Mm -hmm. but you get the idea. Right. So, I mean, it's like, there was this very strong ethic of hospitality. People didn't roll into town and go to the hotel. Um, mostly because in a lot of places that would have been equivalent to going to the brothel. Um, but, but yeah, because like you, you would host people, this is what you would do. Um, and, and so there, there's this warning of guys, don't be putting these guys up. Um, yeah. like don't, don't be letting them stay with you and giving them things to eat and all the rest of this. Um, which again, well, Hey, that doesn't sound very loving, but, mm-hmm. but the warning is like, you are actually taking part in their wickedness if you do that. Yeah, and I mean, Paul at one time, and I think it's in First Corinthians somewhere, he just says, don't even eat with those guys. <laughs> don't have lunch with those guys, right? Yeah. Uh, no, this is this is clearly, as you say, hospitality. And hospitality is something that, hospitable. It's something that Christians are supposed to be. Paul right. lists this as a good thing for right. uh, an elder, by the way, uh, when he's when he's talking about who, who should be made elders in the church. He says they should be hospitable. Yep. And th- there's a way in which as soon as anyone's hospitable, hospitable or as soon as anyone's nice, there's also unfortunately just people who are going to take advantage of this uh, negatively. And th- this is one of the things that, that John is clearly warning the church about is everyone has to, all Christians have to be hospitable. He just talked earlier about walking in love and walking in truth. However, and clearly, 
it's wrapped around what they teach about Jesus Christ. And there can be no hospitality in that sense toward right. so-called Christians who do not confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. It, that can't be. He says they're not actually Christian. They're Antichrist. And he says you can't put up with that at all. There's not, there's not hospitality, hospitality to false doctrine. Right. Well, and, and, and thank you for bringing us back to that. I mean, he does use the term antichrist there, right? Um, and in fact, th- this is kind of interesting because he actually does use the term, you know, uh, the antichrist. And, and um, so we, we've seen this before. Back in First John, he talked about this in a big way. Um, and it, it, it seems like when you're looking at First John and trying to figure out what he's talking about, he seems to be saying, he uses this phrase like, they went out from us. Right. And he's mm-hmm. talking about um, the, the support of like the, the widows and the poor and stuff like that. It seems to be that there is this splinter breakaway group that aligned themselves with uh, like the Gnostics and other um, sorts of groups where where they were denying, as you were saying, the humanity of Christ. That's also the, like uh, the teaching idea that comes up in first John. So this other group, they break away and then they say, hey, you know what? All of our money and resources and food well, we're not sharing because, you know, we're the, we're the true church. We have the true Christ and you guys are, you guys are doing your own thing. Um, and, and so they, they have broken off and, and they have done this in this unloving way. And, and, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of ways you could think about this. You might see yourself, well, well, they're being unloving, but we shouldn't be unloving. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, if you just kind of rely on your own steam, like you could, think of like I, I don't know it could be very difficult to try to navigate the situation but but john is making, yeah yeah but john's making it very very easy and saying hey look yeah. the, the thing is at, at this point because of the division because of the falsehoods that they're that they're saying here like mm-hmm. you, you don't associate with these guys you don't let them into your house you don't give them food because honestly if you do that stuff you're just supporting the lie Right. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go and you host up their false teachers, I mean, you are just supporting the evil that they stand for. I mean, the, this this false church that they have set up for themselves. Yep. No, absolutely. And, and it, it is interesting to me that I mean, he talked about walking in the commandments earlier, but where he finally centers on is what, what do they teach about Jesus Christ? Because that, that, of course, is at the heart of the faith. Not that violating the other commandments is, is good or anything like that. He's like, when push comes to shove, what the church actually cares about most, above and beyond anything else, is what they teach about, what we teach about Jesus Christ. Because he says, everyone who doesn't abide in that teaching doesn't have God. Yeah. Whoever does abide in that teaching has both the Father and the Son. So this is why, as you said, this is why he's so clean-cut on this one, because he, he's talking about salvation when you're talking right. about what they speak about Jesus Christ. And this is why there can, be, there can be no hospitality towards those who are leading people to hell. She says, hey. no, we're, don't, don't, ha- don't flirt with that. Don't be hospitable to that. Don't, do, don't have anything to do with that. No, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. And, and, and I think that... Um... Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like it, that, it, it's so, it's so fundamental. We're getting to like what we're saying about Christ, um, and I think the thing that we sh- we should not misunderstand though, it's it's not as if 
John is saying, like, well, you know, if we just disagreed about some of the practical doctrines, like that would be one thing. But because it's like an article yeah. of the creed, that's another thing. I, I, I think that I think that for him, and this is what we saw, I think, in First John, that they're all interconnected and that, you know, you're, you're te- it's not like there's the practical teaching over here and there's like the Christological theoretical teaching over here. I don't think so. I think that for him, the, the, the very fact that Christ came in the flesh and that he is coming in the flesh, well, that means something for how you live your life in the flesh. Um, yes. And in fact, when he was talking about, you know, um, the different sins that this other group is is engaging in, it's a direct consequence of their teaching with Christ. If they if they say that he didn't come in the flesh, then it's like, well, what's it matter, right? Oh, this just is, you know, that's, a, that's just a bodily function. Oh, that's just totally natural. The same yeah. stuff we hear today. Right. And so what, what you say about Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So what you say about Christ always follows. Yeah. And, it, it, and it's also why John is simply repeating Jesus Christ. I mean, in, in the Gospel of John 14 chapter, Jesus just says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Exactly. Right. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I love him and manifest myself to him. So John is only rewording, which I suppose good pastors and elders should probably do, he's rewording what he's heard elsewhere from a, from a more uh, authoritative source, namely the Lord. Right. Well, and, and then and I'm glad you brought up John 14, because he also goes on to say then, like, and then, you know, if you if you love me, then the Father and I will come and make our home with you, right? Yep. In, in other words, it's connected, again, to the idea of, hospitality right it's mm-hmm. it's totally all interconnected it's like are you going to love god and let god let jesus right um mm-hmm. are, are you going to host them right or are you going to host these other guys i mean like as, as, that's really what it comes down to are you going to host christ or are you going to host the antichrist um and, i mean that's really what ties it all together these things um it's not like you're, there's like kind of the practical stuff over here and then the theoretical stuff over there it's not like it's like, oh, well, you know, this is just external things and this is like God. It's like it's all connected to each other, which is, again, reflective of the way that he talks about being, um, you know, the, the children of the elect lady, right? The, the lady of, of the Lord. Um, yep. All these relationships are immensely important and that's what shapes everything else. Um, we only have a couple of minutes. Let's let's close out the last two verses here, because here he he completes this relational idea here. Last two verses, twelve and thirteen. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. So, I mean, just just a couple of minutes here, but. I, I love these. It's such a, it's a it's such a short little conclusion, right? It's uh it, it's not very elaborate. Um, there's some of you know Paul's conclusions that that are, that go on much longer than this, but it's just two things, right? It's just greetings from your your sister congregation, right? And mm-hmm. I think this is like where we get that language, even of talking about sister congregations, right? Like your elect sister, right? Um, which I mean, that's that's something in and of itself, but then also just. I mean, John's example that, hey, maybe some things would be better said not over an email. I, I, I know that that's a that's right. a soapbox of mine, but like I, I feel like that's kind of basically what he's getting at here. Yeah, I, I would say it's also right. The goal of the church is that we read Christ's words and, and we hear them, 
But the goal is to see him eye to eye, yeah. face to face right. in the end, right? That's the goal of the elect lady is eventually to be with the Lord forever. And you're right. In, in There is some way in which this is lived out in our own relationships today, too, is that it's good to send texts and emails. It's even better to be in their presence. And this is what I think you're right. This is some things are better better said face-to-face, but it also it's just better being in someone's actual company. Yeah. Well, that, that's what these relationships, I mean, uh, these relationships aren't really possible, these deep um, interpersonal relationships without being like in each other's presence, right? I mean, this is why the, mm-hmm. the hospitality stuff, again, is so important. Like there's, there's really no substitute. This is why um, it's so important that, you know, that we have the Lord's Supper because like that's where Christ is like, you know, physically, truly present in this very intimate sense with us, right? Um, and, and where we are with each other, and we do these things in person, and we all don't just stay home on Sunday and I'll just turn on the TV or, you yeah. know, even like turn on like the same like radio podcast or something. As Correct. good as a podcast like Thy Strong Word might be, it's no substitute for Christian community and face-to-face relationships. Yeah, it's not a substitute for gathering together in fellowship at church. Absolutely. Right. It's good. It should be added to it, right? Right. But uh, face-to-face is is ultimate. Right. So, I mean, so he, he writes in the letter what he feels is essential to, to, to make sure it happens before he has the chance to see them, a word of encouragement, a word of warning, right? Both of these things together, um, a very helpful example for us to emulate today. So um, with that, we're all out of time. But brother, it's always a pleasure having you on and uh, blessings on the rest of this epiphany season for you and a happy 2020 to you and yours. Thank you much. Good to be here. Everybody, Pastor Scott Adel, pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. Moving on to 3rd John next week. So completing out the letters of John. You know, all these letters are tied together. Another little short one, but looking forward to it. Till next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.